And my name is Ashraf Ganda, and the show is called The Viewpoint. So welcome, welcome indeed to The Viewpoint. Lots to talk about. We'll talk about um, uh, what's happened or what didn't happen uh, regarding the attempt to remove the mayor of Tuani. That comes up from 9 o'clock. We'll try and get the big picture, get all the different stakeholders to talk about that and your views, so don't miss that. But as always, we start with the the big hitter. And the big hitter tonight is uh, Eleanor Sisulu, who's, um, well, the bio talks about her as a writer, human rights activist, political analyst. I can throw in uh, journalist as well, like also an author because of um, of an absolutely brand new book that's just been launched. So, Eleanor, good chatting to you. Hi. Hi, Ashraf. Nice to talk to you. Hi to the listeners. Interesting. And it's it's a strange world because we like chatting uh, in different platforms twice, like in a matter of four or five days, isn't it? Yes, that's very interesting. (laughs) So there we are. But perhaps let let me just take indulgence and start by that. We we met up, of course, at the the Ahmed Kathrana fundraiser or or, or, or pledge line uh, as per the hashtag Kathrada legacy on the ITV channel specifically to raise money uh, for for South Africa's youth for youth clubs around the country right and I think about 1.4 1.5 million rands has been raised so far more hopefully down the line right but but and I know you're yes. involved to the with, with the Kathrada foundation you, you're on that board there Let, let's talk about these youth clubs and, and why they're that important uh, to South Africa the way you see it? Yeah, actually, I must correct you, Ashraf. I'm not the, on the board. My husband is. I'm just a, I'm just a volunteer who's called... You're a big supporter. Okay, got that. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's then talk about yeah, your thoughts on uh, with regards to these youth clubs uh, that they plan to implement 100 uh, up to, uh, well, in 10 years' time. Yes, you know, I think that anybody supporting youth is very important. Uh, young people don't have enough, um, they don't have enough organized, supportive, constructive things um, after school. And there's, there's, there's a, with our high rate of youth unemployment, it makes sense that we need to have these um, outlets for the youth to, to develop. You know, if you read about the Iceland, in Iceland they had a thing about drugs and mm-hmm. they had a very innovative way of, of dealing with the issue of drug abuse among teenagers. And one of the things they found is just because kids were bored and there was not enough interaction with parents. And if we look at the this, this situation of young people in, in South Africa, I think they need a lot of attention and a lot of support. And, and but specifically, I mean, one of the big pictures of of that uh, Kathrada Legacy pledge line was was creating leadership, right? And, and maybe that's the nub of because this this show is very much about political issues, right? Uh, what is required to ensure that the that the young South Africans, you know, twenty years old, below twenty, up to maybe twenty five, can uh, effectively lead our country in the in the next you know ten fifteen years at, at all levels of society? What, what needs to happen? The main thing is for them to have development in their potential, whatever the p- potential is, the development of their talents. So if they are talented in, in the field of the arts, to be able to progress in that, if it's sports, um, whatever it is that they are good at, they need to be able to have some way, some activity where they can excel. You know, if you look at this basket the kids that are musical have, have gone to basket, they've excelled and they've grown and become 
musicals, uh, you know, music teachers or musicians in their own rights. Same thing with the arts. If you look at Standard Bank Young Artists, people like Sibomile Kumalo and William mm, Kentridge mm, mm. are among the people who are, who are the young artists. Um, if they are, you know, some, whether they be motivational speakers or entrepreneurs or whatever it is they are talented in. I can also say that, I mean, my observation, we talk about crime in this country and our response tends to be punitive. It's, it's, it's hardly ever constructive. And if you look hear stories about people, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take an American example, the boxer George Foreman. Mm-hmm. George Foreman always talks about how he was on his way to becoming a criminal. He said he was going to be end up in jail for murdering someone. And there was some ch- a church youth program which took them, he went for the summer school and did boxing, and it transformed his life. And there, there are many such stories. So, I, and, I, and I think there's a lot of talent amongst our youth. And so that, that is talent which must be developed and, you know, the school school is only part of the story. And often school is, for, for the majority of the people, uh, children, I venture to say that school is inadequate. Yeah, well, there's so much more to come out of that. 0891104207, my guest is, my big hitter for the night is Eleanor Sisulu. Uh, Eleanor, let's, let's talk about the book that you've that you've written. It's very very timely, of course, um, with the with with the with the passing of of your your mother-in-law, and and of course the fact that everybody now celebrating the 100 years of uh, of Albertina Sisulu. So it's a very perfect launch. Uh, I don't have the, the liberty of having the book with me, but perhaps the more important one from 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 a listener point of view is, and I want them to buy the book and get the book, of course. Uh, why, why is the book important? What why should they read it? Yes. Well, the book is an abridgment of the biography I wrote on Walter and Albertina Sisulu, mm-hmm. which was published in 2003. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as you know, that's a big, fat book, which I discussed with your uncle, by the way. Okay, y- Yusuf Garda, yes, yes of course. <laughs> yes, a very nice gentleman. So um, that book um, was, you know, I worked out working in the field of reading, and seeing the the problems we have around reading and the struggles which young people are facing and children are facing, there's need for more content for children. And so, and especially content about our leaders and our history, because if you want to develop leadership, then, you know, ch- uh, children, young people need examples about past leaders. So we and then because Albertina is a woman, uh, Cindy Wemagona, uh, you know the writer Cindy Wemagona was particularly interested in Albertina because in a way there's similarities, uh, the same values of hard work, determination, mm, 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 mm. etc. So Cindy and I discussed her abridging this book on Albertina Sisulu, okay. and, which and... she did, and then I had to then come in with working with the editors and the illustrations and just the format of the book. So it's a book, it's Albertina's story, and it's aimed at teenagers. And and I think maybe we're probably good readers from nine years old, actually, can read that book, but also adults who want a quick read. And so maybe that's, that's the world that's we live in, that quick soundbite reads, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah.
just before we talk about other things, let's just talk about you know the legacy of Albertina Sisulu. Um, I mean, the fact that there's a there's a centenary celebration around it tells you already about the high esteem that she's raised. But but you have an interesting perspective, not just as someone from Zimbabwe living in South Africa, but as also the daughter-in-law. You have, you have a quite unique perspective of of the person, right? What you know, maybe just without spending too much time on her, what what, what can you tell us about? some of the qualities and characteristics that she had that so endeared aid to family, but certainly to the country as well? I think the one thing she shared with Mandela, with whom they are celebrating a centenary, that they managed to transcend their organization, their community, and become... They were endearing to the larger South African community and internationally. So that they they sort transcended party politics, and that's something I think is very important in leaders if they can mm-hmm. do that, because those are the kind of leaders that can hold a nation together. We are so mired in party politics and party factionalism. Um, I think we've seen it this week, and I don't even want to talk about it because. And there's things happening today as well. I mean, one is that the funeral, uh, the PAC, of course, the funeral with the PAC, but of course, today, once again, the issues of um, who leads the province. How, how then do we. Do, do you find that we, we can't do that any longer? We, we can't seem to transcend party politics. You'll always be seen and viewed uh, from that prism of, of the colors of your, of your, of your party and, and, and judged on that basis. Yes, you know, to transcend divisions, whether it be of political party or region or race or gender or cultural or religion, whatever it is, you need people who can rise above that. And you need people with a, like a longer view and an appreciation of humanity of all people. Um, otherwise, then it's, it's difficult to do that. And they also need to have integrity. They need to have compassion, empathy, um, uh, consistency. I think that was one of the things about Masisulu, that she was very consistent about the things that she believed in. And it wasn't whether they're fashionable or not. I mean, you let some political leaders, one day they'll say this, mm. the next day they'll say that. And sometimes, you know, they're just saying it because... That's what their constituency wants to hear. So she was not a populist. And I think she shared this with Mandela. So they were prepared to say to young people things, even if they they were, they were knew that the message was not the message they wanted to hear at that time. So, for example, she was passionate about education and would always talk about education. And that she also put her money where her mouth is. For example, with young women, she kept young women in her house. My sister-in-law, Sheila, will always talk about how her mother-in-law looked after her after after she had given birth and she was not well and would literally put her in the bath and bath her. I mean, she was so... Um, so uh, loving and generous in her care of people. And as a daughter-in-law, I can say that really, if God had given me a mother-in-law, mm-hmm. I could all have ordered, I couldn't have ordered someone better. She, she was very, very progressive. She, uh, she supported us when we went to meetings, uh, participated in civic life. She never raised issues to say, you know, why are you doing this or that, or 
the usual constraints that can be put on daughters-in-law. She would even refuse that people must call us Makoti. She would say, these are my children. Don't, mm, I, okay. I don't use that wow, word Fascinating in indeed, house. yeah. Well, more about uh, the politics of our country and, and, and maybe Zimbabwe too as well with Eleanor Sisulu um, as we continue putting her uh, well on for the hour as our big hitter for the night. But you can join in on the conversation. What are the questions you may want to ask her? Because the show is called The Viewpoint. So what is it? What's your viewpoint? 0891104207. When a top chef contracts a deadly disease that can only be caused by having an appetite for human flesh... South Africa's elite crime-fighting unit, The Ravens, must find the culprits of this deadly menu. Secrets and lies, betrayal and murder, this team has a taste for bringing down the bad guys. It's just another day on the job for Marlon van Weyck and Siki Morcha and their team, The Ravens. Catch The Docket, only on SABC3 at 9.30pm on Wednesday, September the 5th. 58% of South Africa's households have no storybooks. Can you imagine growing up without a bedtime story or something to capture your imagination and take you to faraway places? Let's make a difference together this National Book Week. Tell stories, visit your local library and buy a book for those who don't have. Join us as we travel the country with Funda Baila, 3 to 9 September. Go to sabookcouncil.co.za or check out the National Book Week essay page on Facebook, an SABC Foundation-supported initiative. It's the Premier League match of the week, this Saturday on SABC3. Bournemouth FC, who started their campaign with two wins in a row, battles it out with 2016-2017 champions, Chelsea FC. It is the Cherries versus the Blues on Saturday, the 1st of September at 4 p.m. live on SABC3. Football's biggest stage brought to you by SABC Sport for the love of the game. The world's best football league now available to all. This week we visit the Iskon Temple in Cape Town and learn more about the Shivaya Yoga Studios in Pretoria. Kugan moves on to disease management on Yoga for Wellness and Lukeshji continues with the Ramayan, a blueprint for daily living. Catch Sadna the Inward Path every Sunday at 7 a.m. on SABC3. Led by Martin Kremer, Mining Weekly offers unrivaled global coverage of the resources industry and the companies and people shaping it. Subscribe now at miningweekly.com. Kremer Media's Mining Weekly, mining news around the clock. 8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Garda. I think it's a very tweetable quote, and I certainly will do that just now. Maybe you want to do the same as well, according to Alana Sisule. If she could order a mother-in-law from God, and in her words, I couldn't have ordered a better mother-in-law. That's just a, a profound statement to make uh, about uh, the late Albertina Sisulu at a, at a year where we're celebrating, well, 100 years of her life, so 100 years of her legacy as well. Get that book as well, Walt and Albertina Sisulu in our lifetime, sort of a bridge to younger people and for people who don't want to read long, long stories. And and of course, and I'll just touch on this one, Eleanor, this of course, as you may have heard in the promo, is, is a week around what South African, what, Book Week or World Book Week, just pay attention to the need to read, isn't it? Yes, there's a lot happening around books. There's also the SA Book Fair coming mm-hmm. um, soon in September. And then there's the Open Book Festival and the National Book Week. So there's a lot happening. Yeah, absolutely. How, how do we get, you know, you, you, because I mean, you, you've been this, this 
proponent of, of literature and the need to read and to protect literature all the time. How do you tell people to switch on reading when so many people around the world are switched off? Yes, it's very difficult because there's competition from all sorts of media. And I think we're becoming a more and more visual society. And, um, you know, there's easy shortcuts to get information. We're also just bombarded with a lot of information to the point where, you know, if you're reading tweets or your Facebook posts or whatever, you know, maybe there's less energy to read a, a long book. But the thing is, for our education system, it's it's an essential requirement. And it's very difficult, if not almost impossible, to progress educationally without being a good reader. And the very fact that there's all this media bombarding you means that you have to have a greater facility with reading. To read anyway, so, even if it's social media, you still need to be able to read and yes, comprehend, right? Yeah, You still need to be able to pick up and you need to be able to summarize and... So that's, and, but it's a difficult thing because, you know, I must tell you one time I had my, my son, they were about, he was about 13 years old and there were the cousins. So they were boys between the age of 11 and 14 and there were about four of them in the house the whole week. And at the end of the week, I said to them, you guys have been here the whole week and I've not seen one of you pick up a book. And one of them just, so I, so I was trying to think, how did you get boys to read, boys of this age? Yeah. <laughs> so I said to them, you know, if you want power in the world, you need to be able to read. Power is not by the gun. The people who carry the guns are the foot soldiers. Power is the ones who strategize behind, and they are the ones who control the world, and you need to read to do that. So one of them says, oh, but Aunt Eleanor, George Bush... Uh, and that was the days of George Bush mm. Senior, I think. Mm. <laughs> George Bush doesn't read, and yet he's he's the um, most powerful man in the world. <laughs> so, so my my argument was just squashed flat right there. But I think we just we just have to do it because otherwise, our kids will get more and more disadvantaged. They talk about previous previously disadvantaged, mm. but kids who Cannot who are currently struggling and grappling with reading are currently disadvantaged. Yeah, I think it's very important what people are struggling, grappling with reading, are currently disadvantaged. Eleanor Susulu is with me. Eleanor, let's let's talk about so so South Africa. Um, interesting, you made reference to you know the 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 political differences of the of the weekend at at the funeral. And again, I mean, there's been since then a subsequent uh, successful attempt to mo- remove the the mayor of uh, the Nelson Mandela Bay, and and so far unsuccessful attempt to remove the mayor of uh, of the Twani region. What do you make of the politics of our country? You know, Ashraf, I must say, I'm so pained by the... pained and disillusioned by political parties. And I'll say all of them. I mean, of course, coming from an ANC uh, tradition, yeah. all, all of them. And, and uh, it, it just pains me to see the kind of pettiness and the kind of just refusal to look at the longer picture, to take a longer view and say what is good for our people. It's just this petty power mongering. 
and I'm, I'm just really disappointed. Why, why, why do you think that? Why do you think none of them? And it doesn't matter, like you said, left, right, centre, middle. Because ultimately, we all we all live in this country. We need to live in a successful country. Why, why can't they see beyond the pettiness and see what's good for the country? Why, why, why do you think they can't? Look, I really don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, there are a few individuals here and there, but they don't. Um, it, it seems that their voices don't rise. And I think also maybe it's to do with also we as people. Who, who we elect, sometimes we, you know, p- people are elected and you ask yourself, how could anybody, such person, be elected? And, you know, I don't want to be mentioning names, but, mm. you know, there's one I have to mention. I just wanted to cry when Kretani Masangu was uh, elected okay. to the ANC region. I, you, I you mean really now, following following her removal, there's the MEC for Health, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I mean, after Esitimeni, how could this be? But it seems it's there's a worldwide phenomenon of people that you look at and you say, I mean, how on God's earth could anyone elect such a person? But there it is, unfortunately. And, 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 the, and the hope then for the future, uh, you know, again, without saying political party A or B, and of course you come from an ANC tradition, but what sort of leader... Should we as a country be looking out for? And do, we, do we have that leader available right now? Well, you know, my I would wish for a feminist environmentalist leader. They can be whatever gender. But if they're feminist in outlook, environmentalist, social democratic, that would be the kind of leader that, that, that I would look for. I must say I was really impressed during the World Cup with the leader of Croatia. Mm, with the mm, way she mm. carried herself and the way she seemed to be so uh, down-to-earth. I like leaders who are down-to-earth, who don't have ears and graces, who just want to get on and, and do the work. But but you find, uh, and of course, I mean, you, you're in a privileged position of meeting lots of people in leadership uh, you know, across the country, and, I, and I, I would say I'm in the same boat, right? And do you find sometimes we give leaders... You know, far too much respect. We put them on a. I mean, respect is fine, but we we tend to put them on a on a, on a revered pedestal. Whereas in reality, the leaders are there to serve. So so it's always holding them accountable, so that their prominence comes, but it comes at a, at a cost, which is they must deliver all of the time. Yes, I think leaders must be held into account, and they must be they they must be interrogated and they must be questioned. They mustn't just be taken at face value. And when they lie, they must be called out. But what I also think is that, you know, the way we deal with leaders also, we I, I do believe there's a need for respect in political engagement. There seems to be a kind of new fashion that the ruder you are, the more obnoxious you are in the way you you relate to people, that that you are being radical. And I don't think name-calling and insulting is actually a very political way of doing things. You know, one of my political heroes was Oliver Tambo. Mm, mm, mm. And, you know, this man with his polite, quiet voice who held a movement together in exile for all those years was just so extraordinary. And... You know, he could speak very strongly when the occasion demanded. But, you know, in all the 30 years that he was there, around the world, being a diplomat around the world, being called terrorist by various people, 
um, having very cold receptions in some of the places he went. He always kept his cool, and he was he never ever had to apologize for anything he said or say. I was quoted out of context. I think that that was an extraordinary thing, and for me, that's that's really a true mark of leadership. Yeah, I think it's a very, very good point, and, and it's something that very much is in short supply. By the way, you are some people quoting Eleanor Sisulu, which is great. SMS is also welcome, 40938. As if tweeting, it's hashtag um, SFM Viewpoint, and then tag me, Ashraf Ganda, and SFM Radio. And if you can tag Eleanor Sisulu as well, that's absolutely great. You can quote her as some people are doing already. If you want to engage on air with questions to her, 0891104207. I, I don't want to lose this opportunity because we, we're going to, we may forget about it. Let's just segue to Zimbabwe. That's where you come from, and, and in particular, uh, I say so because there's been a change, as you know, well, an election that's happened, but no change of leader. Uh, but if I understand, you've been critical of the of the current leader, Manangagwa, in terms of his role in the past and overall silence around what twenty, thirty thousand people killed many many years ago. Give me give me your thoughts on that. Yes, well, I would say there hasn't really been any change in Zimbabwe. It's um long overdue that Robert Mugabe left. I think it's ridiculous anywhere in the world, no matter how great a leader may be, for him to still be sitting in office at 94. And I think it's it's really a failure of this continent that so many have supported him and continue to support him until the last. So it was good that he exited the political stage. But, I, you know, I think that, you know, Munangagwa was not a worthy replacement, but he's the president of Zimbabwe now this at the moment, not much that we can do about it. And of course, there's the spectre. He, he will always have to deal with the spectre of Kukurahundi. Mm. Uh, I think the Operation Murambatsina, which was a terrible thing that happened as well, is something that that also should be... There's never been any answers around that. So now there's a commission around what happened after elections, which I find actually ridiculous because people could see that you had police shooting unarmed people, fleeing, people shot in the back. Uh, and someone was, people who were not even part of the demonstration were shot. So I don't know what the commission is going to achieve, but, um, and there have been commissions before in Zimbabwe. Uh, there was a Chiambakwe commission about the, in Tumbo, in, uh, and I think the Chiambakwe commission was about Kukurahundi, and then there was an into um, the Commission about political, uh, about the Intumbani. So there have been commissions, and nothing, as far as I know, has ever come out of this. In fact, the government didn't even publish the, 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 those commissions, the commissions that they themselves uh, called. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, what, do you, what do you think, what, and therefore, what do you think is going to happen to Zimbabwe now? Well, I feel, for for me, the Zimbabwean civil society should focus on the kind of political culture that is detrimental to democracy, to focus on promoting human rights, regardless of political party, to actually build leaders who will, be, who will transcend party differences and become national leaders. Um, and it's, I think it's about patiently building and and also there's been Zimbabweans who have been struggling uh, for media freedom. They've been struggling for opening of the airwaves. And I really feel that, 
you know, I, I would put my support behind uh, behind those organizations that are doing so, like there's MISA Zimbabwe and um, other organizations and other individuals who have been working hard on this. And for me, that's where the hope is. It's, I think it's just an essential ingredient of a democracy to have a political, to have a media freedom. And I think we tend to focus on the people individuals and political parties. The head of state, no matter how great they are, cannot save people. You need institutions. The head of state can be successful if the institutions are working. If the institutions are not working, and I think that's why we we have such struggles after dictatorship. If you look at uh, Somalia after Mm, Shia Bari, Kong, uh, DRC, what was DRC after uh, Mobutu Sese Seko, uh, Gabon after Bongo. You know, it's very difficult to recover from dictatorship. And part of the reason why it's difficult is why the institutions have been destroyed. So often people focus on the new person, the new man, there's a strong man mentality. Mm, mm, mm. Instead of focusing on building the judiciary, the media, and the legislature and having separation of powers. Because that that is where that happens on this continent, you have a better out political outcome. Do, do, are we doing the same thing in South Africa? I mean, there's a new man at the helm. Well, yeah, there's this tendency. I saw this article, can settle say South Africa, and I thought, you know, it's so misplaced because we are the ones who must save South Africa. You know, we, we have things that happen in South Africa that really are deeply painful. You, you have individuals making racist comments on social media, and you ask yourself, I mean, how can people be so stupid? Don't they see themselves? And then, of course, it goes viral, and everybody, they get attacked, and lives are destroyed. But then you also have this xenophobic violence. I mean, you have these things in Soweto where people were being attacked Mm -hmm. because the shops were having expired goods. And, you know, this just boggles my mind. How does... Traders are being expired goods. Is there not a way, a process that you go through to stop that happening? I mean, for one thing, as a community, you can boycott. There's a whole lot of things you can do before attacking people. Well, I mean, you raise and, an interesting point because I mean, it's brought up again today. How, so, so let's let's just let's go with what what people believe that there are some stores that are selling expired goods okay uh, in in townships I heard the the Somali representative this afternoon uh, with with Ernest show saying but you know many of them are also illiterate and they they probably being hoodwinked as well buying things that are already expired but let's just let's just say it's true how does one then adequately respond to that clearly burning down stores and, and putting their lives at risk can't be the solution what would you suggest then well, I just think at the municipal level, there must be different ways of engagement. And I've been part of the anti-xenophobic um, efforts before with South African Council of Churches and with the refugee organizations. And one thing that's clear is that there needs to be permanent civic organizations that are dealing with this issue in our communities all the time and dealing with it from a point of view of empathy. Empathizing with local people, and when I say empathizing, I don't mean uh, um, condoning what they do, but empathizing, trying to see from their point of view why they would behave in these ways and see if there are other things that can happen. But also, you know, promoting 
entrepreneurship of South Africans. I also wonder sometimes, I look at some of these shops and think, why why is it that South Africans are not running these things? Uh, and, and, you know, I'm a, I, and I don't want to be, uh, I know I'm shedding on thin ice here because I might sound anti-foreign and to say foreigners mustn't have shops. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that I look at a, 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 a shop and say, what is it that is preventing black South Africans if you're looking at affirmative action from running a business like this or this, why are spaza shops that were family owned now being rented out to someone else? And those are the questions that I think at local level leadership people have to address and actually engage in constructive programs to address these things. There's, uh, there's people calling in, and we'll, we'll pick up on those. In fact, some people just tweeting about Zimbabwe and concurring with you about never being, never having peace until ZANU PF themselves are deposed or disposed of. Uh, Zaza in Cape Town, welcome to the show, Zaza. Hello. Okay, what's up, Ashraf? Uh, hello, Zaza. Go, go ahead. Oh, hello. Yeah. Okay, sir. Uh, you know what, Ashraf? Um, I'm a little bit disappointed when when Illinois sort of says uh, this radicalism kind of. Zaza, hello. We've lost you. Zaza, do call back. Let's just see. Okay, sorry. We've just... Your line's bad. Just repeat what you said. It's not helping. Zaza, Zaza, we've we've lost the first line. Where it said, I'm disappointed about what Eleanor said about the radicalism. Just continue with that because we lost all of that after that. Go ahead. Acts of Sisulu's tumbles and Mandela's, they came out of the struggle ridge. So to them, it worked. What about the poor black folks? You know what I mean? Who are on the ground? Who are suffering daily? Who haven't seen the advantages of this democracy. It's time to be radical. It's time to, to shift to another level of radicalism, unfortunately. Maybe so, there's, there's a debate what, about... I'll tell you what... I'd like you to know, unfortunately, we have to be radical for things to change. Because this smooth liberal speak, you know what I mean, it has helped the, the, the likes of Sisulu and Tambos and Mandela, but it hasn't helped... The people on the ground, unfortunately. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you on hold because I think you may mistake what, what Alan Osisulu has been saying. Uh, yeah. You were talking about rules of engagement, even in Parliament, and, and how we tackle leadership and, and, and the way we pronounce. Yeah. Clearly, Zaza may have got the wrong end. Just, just repeat what you no, said, Eleanor. I'm referring okay, but, to but, that. But Zaza, hold on. Let, let's get Eleanor yeah. to respond. Eleanor, go ahead. Yeah, I think he's actually not <laughs> understood what I said about radicalism. I said... People mistake being rude, name-calling um, things as radical. To me, being radical is having a political program which is going to shift things. And that doesn't necessarily mean being, uh, 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 being obnoxious and rude and name-calling and insulting people. You can be very radical without doing all those things. Okay, Zaza, you, Zaza's gone, but I, I, I think you've certainly cleared that up uh, very, very well. Uh, Bishop from Bloemfontein, welcome to the show. Go ahead. I'm, at, how are you doing? I'm, I'm very good indeed, enjoying the discussion with uh, Eleanor Susulu. Go ahead. Okay, man. Uh, I just want to know, you know, the problem in South Africa is because uh, I'm not, I don't have anything against the African brothers and sisters, but uh, we're getting them, we're letting them to come to South Africa so easy. My friend, I've been to 22 African states myself, and I've been treated with hostility. And I've never been there to commit crime or to do anything that is illegal for that matter. But in South Africa, it seems that if these guys get away with it, you understand what I'm saying? Mm. That's why people are agitated on a single, every single day that, why is this happening in our country? Go to any country, man. I was once detained just simply because my visa was written that I'm not an electrical engineer, I'm an electrical consultant. And then somebody asked me, what do you do? I said, I'm an electrical engineer. Just for that, 
on the visa. Then I was I was detained for almost two hours. You know, there is these guys were giving them a chance to come to South Africa, but it's very easy for them to actually operate and operate their illegal business and manufacture and operate all these illegal uh, manufacturing factories and stuff. You understand what I'm saying? That's the root cause. We need to face that as a country to say, let's uh, 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 close our borders for the first thing. Because we can't, we can't afford to have all these uh, people from Africa to come and, uh, and, and uh, do as they please in our country because we don't do the same thing in the country. Okay, got that. Thank you. Elena, comment on that. I mean, the broad issue of, of you know, foreign nationals living in our country. What, what do you make of what I just said? Yeah, you know, uh, Ashraf, I think even the terminology foreign national, nationals, I don't know where it comes from. I've only heard it in South Africa. But if you go throughout Africa, there's communities from different, and it's not true to say people are not allowed to do that. There's migration throughout Africa. There's migration throughout Africa. There's also migration from Africa into Europe. Uh, migration is a reality of life. In fact, you know, South Africa is also a country made of many migrations. So that is a reality of life. The, the issue of closing borders is not, uh, in today's world, something which is going to work. And, it's a, you know, I mean, that's the same thing that Donald Trump is talking mm, about mm, mm. in the nation of immigrants. Uh, talking about closing borders. And then you say, who is indigenous? You know, you have a case in the United States now where certain, uh, in a certain state has been on Twitter, they asking another, your chief, to prove that he's not illegal in the United States. That's how ridiculous it has become. So, you know, there are many ways of, and, and it's the points I was saying, that people need to be engaged at local level. And that, the, the issues of migration, migration can be a positive thing or it can be a very negative thing. And there's reasons why, and I'm not, people feel threatened and they feel, um, they, they feel uh, concerned and, and feel that they must target and, and close borders and do things like that. But it has never helped any nation anywhere throughout history to close borders. And in any case, these, even these borders are colonial borders. So if you want to decolonize and have a decolonized society, you have to look at yourself as part of a continent. Well, if you close what... the borders and shut yourself from the continent, you're shutting yourself from a lot of learnings and a lot of interaction that is actually beneficial to the country. And that's a good point. We'll get to uh, Msindisi in just a minute. Uh, Eleanor Sisulu is with us. She's our big hitter. And we'll talk to her up to about 9 o'clock. So still time for one or two more calls. Uh, besides the calls, we'll take 891 From power plants and rail corridors to car factories and space science, Crema Media's Engineering News offers comprehensive coverage of South Africa's real economy and the companies and people that make it tick. Subscribe now at engineeringnews.co.za. Crema Media's Engineering News, not just for engineers. Join our Bernina family in celebrating 125 years of Swiss precision and technological achievements. Experience our range of sewing, overlocking, quilting and embroidery machines enhanced by our expert technical support and guidance in product use to unlock your creativity. Visit your local dealer in our nationwide network to share in our promotional activities or visit Bernina.co.za. Bernina. Made to Create.
Jabu, my sister, you know I'm worried about my legal problem. How will I afford a lawyer? Why don't you call Legal Aid South Africa? They assist those accused of crimes and with cases such as maintenance and evictions at no cost. Seriously? You can visit the offices which are available around the country or call the toll-free Legal Aid advice line on 0800-110-110. You've helped me. Call Legal Aid advice line on 0800-110-110. Legal Aid South Africa. Your voice for justice. Join the party on Top Billing this Saturday evening as we're on set with Ozalo's Dawn Tandeka King, actress, singer, mother, and traditional healer. Our feature on awesome African designer Kotatsu Tsotetsi is not to be missed. And Maps travels thousands of years back in time to a land of legends in Greece. Catch Top Billing this Saturday evening at 6, repeat Sunday at noon on SABC3. Ashraf now, 0891 We'll get to the three or four calls, including Gordon Sullo and Imson DC, in just a second uh, with uh, Eleanor Sisulu, of course, our big hitter for the night. Uh, Eleanor, let, let's just take that around. I mean, so I hear what you're saying about about the Donald Trumps, and we can't go that, that route. But but as per that caller, isn't there a danger that in, in the efforts to be all-embracing, um, that, that you can lower the standards of what the country demands, and then you create massive unemployment anyway with, with people born in the country, and that's the cause of, of the type of um, social distrust that, that we have, notwithstanding the other point, which is the issue of um, uh, the borders are, are very, very um, porous and people that are coming in illegally, which is, an, which is another whole debate completely. Your, your thoughts on that? Shrap, it's, it's a big debate, and really you need migration specialists who, mm. will, who will discuss this. I, I, I do think that part of the problem is that the needs of uh, working-class South Africans, rural South Africans, marginalized South Africans are not met, and that's part of the problem that, that, that one has. But, you know, I, I think this discussion on xenophobia in South Africa is a big one. And, and one of the things is that I, I don't want to generalize, and I think the problem is that there are generalizations. You hear people saying, oh, South Africans are very xenophobic, and yet there are 40 million-plus South Africans. Or you have the counter-argument that, no, our people are not xenophobic. You can't say that. There is, I mean, it's a huge country. And there are people who have been xenophobic, who have attacked people, who have poured petrol and burnt people. But there are other people who are actually keeping uh, uh, and hosting uh, um, migrant communities and actually having them there and living well with them. So the the, the question is to, to have a work which is done, intensive work, on why is it in some places people live in harmony and they live together? What are the factors that make, make that arise? And why in some places does it end up in violent conflagration? And, yeah. and, and, I think you're and right. what are the grievances people, to hear people's grievances in an empathetic way, and it's not to say you don't agree with them, but to hear their grievances in, in an empathetic way. And I think at local council level, many of these things can be addressed. And it's promoting the leaders who can actually be able to engage all these communities and address the issues. And I think you're right about maybe getting some experts uh, on on immigration and and effectively debating how do we get immigration right. Uh, Eleanor Sisulu is our big hitter. Let's get some calls. Um, Imson DC from Cape Town. Hi. Ashraf, thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Uh, Every day uh, I get to comment on, on, on the 
relationship between the foreigners and the South Africans. We are the ones who are growing uh, South Africa, I mean, uh, foreign, uh, foreign businesses here because when they came here, they came with no transport. It was us, South Africans, who had transport then. Uh, we went with these guys to the wholesalers, wholesales like uh, your Metro, your Jumbo. And these guys have grown today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've t- we're happy for them. Don't get me wrong. We st- they still, when they don't have transport, they use us. But what I'm trying to get to is that our government, it's still uh, on the border issue. Mr. Likota raised this issue of these people doing as they they wish in our country. I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. comment by, 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 by Mr. Likota. And today we're still talking the same thing that Likota was saying a few months uh, uh, ago. And uh, when something, uh, 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 what I'm trying to say, uh, Ashraf, when something is said by one person and uh, there's no reaction behind that, we, South African government does not take it seriously. Okay. Now, what we should have now, it's a way forward. Uh, perhaps we have the Minister of Defense, we have the Minister of Police come to the studio and they say how they're going to control our borders. Because now, uh, even Checkpoint exposed uh, this uh, company in Free State that was doing the ingredients for, for cakes, for, that was supplying um, shop bread and pick and pay and all the spas. And nothing happened. But our inspectors, they still, they still saying they want evidence of uh, expired yeah. okay. evidence. Then, but right. they've never done anything. All right. You see, let's. Ashraf. Yeah. I heard you. Okay, thank you, okay, I got that. Thank you, thank you for that. That's his viewpoint. Yes, I think at some stage we will certainly get people in positions of actually making decisions on this on this issue. Of course, we're talking to Eleanor Sisulis, maybe specifically on the things that she has said, and she said some really important issues about leadership and who we elect and who we appoint. And if, uh, ideally, it would be very good if you can raise those issues with her. Salo from Mokopani, go ahead. Welcome to the show. And what's your viewpoint? I shall. Thanks. Look, you know. My worrying point is when we have um, the uh, the head debater um, and 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 so forth. It's like the Mandela's, like the first caller said, and the Tsugus and whatnot and whatnot. They, you know what? Let me not get into that. You know, the other, the, the, the most important thing is our government itself. They are so ignorant. They always acting up when the masses on the ground are very, very angry. The previous caller is very correct. Almost, uh, in fact, all the callers have called, they are very much correct. Our government are so arrogant, uh, 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 Ashraf, like I don't know what they are drinking or eating. All right, let's, let's, yeah. uh, uh, Yes, we, 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 we have inspectors who should go all around the country. We don't have to tell them. It is their job to go and check each and every uh, retailer, if each and every spa shop. Okay. And then lastly, yeah. our borders, our borders itself is the main is the main culprit of 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 of, of allowing people who, who and and by the way, we are not saying we don't want migrants or foreigners. We say, and my and look what are on the same page as 
some of us. We want people who have legal document in the country, mm. who mm. have specific okay. skills. Okay, you made your point, Salo. Let's, let's, I'm going to leave it for uh, a few minutes for um, Eleanor Sisulu to respond as well. The last call I'm going to take now, uh, Gordon from Pumalanga. Go ahead, Gordon. Hi, um, thank you again for this quick opportunity. I just wanted to make a, a quick comment that I hope is constructive. Um, I've had the opportunity to travel throughout Africa and, and look at many different models and systems that, that, that people use around small businesses and things. And one of the broader issues, and just something I just wanted to comment to is, is I think that South Africa as a, as, a, as a community here is very vulnerable to... Um, Opportunities and and um, entrepreneurs who are coming in and 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 just taking up opportunities. And if we if we encourage encourage South Africans to look for and take up the opportunities ourselves and build more of a resilient, competitive uh, space where where um, there isn't as much opportunity to come in, I think that that this wouldn't be as big a problem. So I think I think in some cases we skirt the issue of there are lots of of, of um, other African nationals in South Africa with a lot of little businesses and jobs and things. And I just can't help wondering why don't many, many more South Africans have these, these little businesses? And, okay. And these well, little it's a question that many have asked. What, what was, where's the learning process in all of this? Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I don't know, ra- range of questions. We're going to let it go after this and talk about other things in the remaining three or four minutes. But just, just comment on some of those callers and what they said. You know, Ashraf, one thing I realized is a profound disappointment and lack of belief in institutions. And it goes back to what I was saying, Mm. that you need strong institutions and you need these things at local government where people actually feel that my councillor cares for me. You know, all these service delivery protests and what I, I actually was shocked the other day to hear an ANC counselor, uh, person, I don't know whether they were a counselor, saying, oh, yes, these are the way of people's way of expressing themselves. Mm, this is what... Mm. But people shouldn't have to express themselves in that way. If they've been listened to, they shouldn't have to do that. So I, I, I think that that's, that, you know, it's government needs, and especially at local government level, uh, to actually address people's needs and concerns. And, you know, I'm not a representative of government, so I, I can only say from a civic uh, uh, point of view as a, that there is an issue. And, and I think this issue of migrancy, as I say, it must be discussed at length and there needs to be education. You know, I want to talk about children's books because then people may think I'm crazy because we're talking about... Well, well that, that's a project that you're very... And then what, what is that project titled? Uh, well, it's a Puku Children's Foundation. Yes, of course. Foundation. In fact, I'm, I'm just looking at, at Michelle Constant tweeting now as you talk. And like, uh, jo- no, great guess, but don't forget to ask her about that too. Yeah. So tell me about that. Yes. So we tr- we're working on building an online encyclopedia, encyclopedia of children's books in all languages, mm-hmm. starting with South African, which are essentially Southern African languages. And then... Hopefully that we'll have a platform that's resilient enough to be an encyclopedia that can uh, 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 be taken up by other languages. But one of the things that prompted me to be interested in this is that a South African child in primary school today does not read about a child in Zimbabwe. They do not read about a child in Mozambique or Senegal or Kenya. They do not read about children in the Caribbean or the African diaspora. And I think that it's, it's, it's a real 
problem in our education system. And that people, uh, so it's, you know, you want to talk about developing empathy in people who are adults who actually don't care. And I, I, I'm, I'm really concerned is that this continent, people need each other. People, countries need each other. If South Africans think that we can develop without reference to the rest of the continent, bad, and lessons from the rest of the continent, bad or, bad or good, mm. we, we are going to flounder. Because many of the things that are happening are things that have happened elsewhere, and there are lessons to be learned. And if we don't want to locate ourselves on this continent and see ourselves as part of this continent, we are going to struggle. And that's why I'm passionate that children from a young age must actually read and understand something of the continent and be curious about it and, and get some exposure. Well, that, to well, the rest well, of the well I think it, it, it's such an important issue as well. Let, let me just pick up in the two minutes remaining, because you spoke about a leader that ideally should be a feminist, environmental friendly, and a social democrat. It could even be a male who is that person. But we are talking at the, at the very tail end now of, of Women's Month. Uh, to, to what degree are we geared, therefore, to creating this type of person, whether it's a male or a female, with, with a great degree of empathy for the broader South African society? Um, and we're talking about maybe women's leadership in particular. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I've, I've known some amazing young women who have those qualities. The question is whether, unfortunately, sometimes people with those qualities are not the people who will move up in politics. Sometimes they don't have the ruthlessness needed to succeed politically. But certainly they are amazing, young, talented people in this country and uh, that can achieve those kind of things and provide the kind of leadership. And we just have to invest in them. Mm. And, and women in politics and women in, in, the, in the boardrooms, you, you want to make a statement on that in terms of what you observe? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'm a human rights activist and I, I would say I'm a feminist. And I think that uh, it's important uh, for women to support women's rights wherever. I, I mean, the boardrooms are not actually my focus. Um, mm, I think mm. women's leadership in communities and what women do in grassroots organizations and in in the NGOs is more what I understand. And I think... I think we've just lost... Um They've just lost uh, our guest, uh, Eleanor Sisulu's line. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. No, okay. Yes, okay. Now we've got 30 seconds here. So I heard your point. Is there a last comment you wish to make before we wrap up? We're going to close up in 30 seconds. Well, my last comment is that we must invest. We must invest in young people. We must invest in young, young women. Okay, and it's as profound and simple as that. Invest in the youth, invest in young women, and that'll be maybe a major building block to creating this what champion South African nation that I often talk about. Eleanor Sisulu, appreciate your time. It's been it's been enthralling talking to you, and best wishes uh, with the book, and certainly that book uh, with about your in-laws uh, and, and getting the younger people and others to read it as well, and of course your involvement in creating the understanding of of South Africans, young people appreciating uh, African heroes. I think through books as well. Thank you so much for your time, Eleanor. Sisulu, right? We'll talk about all the goings on, the bigger picture of what's really happened all day today in the city of Chwane in a moment. Let's get the news. It's nine o'clock.